Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. It's a show about technology and culture and stuff. Nazis. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, by the way, I'm here. I'm Neil Patel. Paul is here. Hello. Dieter is here. Paul has been... Hi. Hi, Dieter. Paul has been... Sorry, I want to get into this. Yeah. It's the most important news of the week. <laughs> sure, I bet. Paul, can, I wanna, I'm going to ruin your pitch, <laughs> which is a thing I'm, I do on the show constantly to everyone. It's my psychological manipulation as the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. People come on the show. I say, you've been working on a thing, mm-hmm. and then I make you talk about it, yeah. and then you have to do it. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't always worked. But I like to think it's anyway. Paul isn't pitching me on a video idea. Go ahead. It's called Specs. Yeah. And there's a drum solo. Yeah. It's like don't, 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 don't. And then like Phil's like whi- like a whiplash drum solo. Yeah. And each hit of the kick drum, you see a different spec. Like 256 gigabytes or 11.6 inches or 1366 by 768 inches. Like, just yeah. different specs. Just specs. <laughs> And that's the whole video. <laughs> and it builds to... The, the end of the drum solo <laughs> after one minute. It obviously builds to a light switch rave party. Yeah. Yeah, obviously you, you, you take this into your heart and it fuels your life. Well, your point was every, like, every spec, if you're a true nerd, yeah, it really has, means something. It has a meaning to you. Like, oh, man, I remember 1024 by 768. Yeah. That was that was the iBook resolution. Yeah, that's what I think of. Thirteen sixty six was every netbook, but at, at, at the Old end the of every there. single one, it's just going to be just a killer, just like single chord, like guitar riff, just ring, and, and it'll just say Adreno. <laughs> it'll just end on Adreno every time. <laughs> the last one is just Adreno. All right. Yeah. Well, Paul now has to make this video. Yeah. If you, he's been soliciting drummers yeah. in the hallways. So what I need now is just a bunch of specs. So at me your specs. <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite spec at, at Future Paul? Just hit him with the specs. My my spec right now is M.2 NVMe SSD. What? That's an SSD that communicates with the computer over the PCIe bus instead of SATA. Ooh. Hmm. All right. That's, like a, that's a high-end spec. It's pretty high-end. Yeah. I'm I'm more interested in like the specs of the people. The classic specs. Yeah, like eight gigabytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a really important spec for a long time. What was time. the RPM of the original Zunes hard drive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three point five inch. That's like a good spec. It's that's like a spec a, that really meant a lot for a long lot. time. Is Firewire you know four hundred a spec? Me? It's like sure the spec that. The spec that nobody seems to talk about anymore and that is near and dear to Paul's heart is, is, is pixel density. Paul mm-hmm. is a well-known pixel density enthusiast. Yeah. Um, fact. But a lot of people still have uh, MacBook Airs and and need to know about pixel density and that they're, they're missing out. But everywhere else, it's just sort of, you know, fine now. Yeah, we, we went to 4X. Right. And then it kind of dropped off. They talk about pixel density in, mostly now in VR. And there's a new metric that they're coming out with that's like pixels per like degree. Like you can break oh yeah, yeah. vision into like degrees, which is a little mo- more math than I was hoping for. But well the iPhone 4 was 326, right? PPI. That was the floor. And now everything is way above it and no one because all the screen sizes are crazy. Right. Like here's what I'm saying. You have to make this video. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has to lead. It has to oh, it has to land on the most important spec of all. 
whatever that is. Pressure. Adreno. <laughs> it's not. It's not Do you mean Arduino? No, uh, never mind. What's Adreno? I, I recognize that name, but I forget what it is. Yeah. Isn't that the Qualcomm? It's the, it's the GPU Qualcomm. Yeah, yeah, for Qualcomm. Uh, but it, so it's not a spec. It's a t- it's a brand. So I guess yeah, you should make another one like, that's just like marketing hogwash. Oh. Oh yeah. Retina, Adreno, Centrino, <laughs> just like words that were marketed with no specific and that will be, meaning. Next that time. will be set to a flute solo. <laughs> well if you have specs you can send them to Paul if you have concepts of technology related phrases and the instruments to which they correspond also send those to Paul yeah this is his new video series this is our pivot to video apparently what's your big video strategy (laughs) sounds and words (laughs) all right so after that Mm -hmm. we're in pivot right to Nazis on the internet yeah you ready oh god this is a brief interlude because we have a lot to talk about in fact i'll say this right now mm-hmm. today on this show on this podcast Dieter's going to talk about his review of the essential phone mm. it's a big deal it's coming yep Dieter, he has it it's a yeah, square well by the time you're hearing this you will uh you will have already read it and watched the video hopefully because yeah. this is coming out after the review goes up if you're but in your I, car this is a sneak preview that for the thing that you've already seen i don't know <laughs> We're recording it before the review goes up, so there you go. If you're in your car, pull over, Mm -hmm. watch the video, and then get back on the road. That's what we're suggesting to you. Anyway, that's coming, but I don't really want to talk about Nazis on the internet. Dieter and I discussed it before the show began. We're not, like, enthusiastic about it, but it is, the again, the biggest story in tech is super heavy this week. Mm -hmm. Last week, it was the Google memo. This week, a thing that is happening that we should just acknowledge is that there was a extremely hateful rally in Charlottesville. There were Nazis. You can't they were they had Nazi flags. They were just Nazis. I saw the Nazi flag. They were there. Our president is doing whatever he does. He's he's out there. Fox.com actually ran a really interesting piece today called Corporations are the New Conscience of America, not churches. Which I think is fascinating. You should go read it. But so many, many corporations are speaking out against Nazis, which is not something that you would have expected to have to happen in 2017, not what I predicted in my end-of-the-year rundown last year. Yeah. But it's happening. And a lot of those corporations are tech companies who run major platforms on the Internet, and they are now kicking the Nazis off their platform. So Spotify kicked a bunch of racist hate groups off of Spotify so you can't listen to their music. Twitter and Facebook are shutting things down. YouTube is shutting things down. And then there's another class of providers that is really much more interesting. I know Dieter has a lot of thoughts here. So GoDaddy kicked the Daily Stormer, which is like the Nazi publication, off of GoDaddy servers. Cloudflare, which is, how would you describe Cloudflare? It's a CDN. Yeah. They're a content distribution network. I'm on it. But like, how would you describe that to the average person? Um, typically a CDN is, is you, you basically, you have the basic like host and then uh, to spread that information geographically so that it's cached closer to the end users, it goes through a CDN. Like the classical one was Akamai. Oh yeah. 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 Did the other thing a CDN can do is uh, protect you against a distributed denial of service attack. So if a bunch of people try and flood your website with traffic, 
since the CDN spreads it out a bunch a bunch of different areas, it's one of the ways. There's other ways. Uh, it can make sure that your website stays on the internet when people are trying to take it down by flooding it with traffic. Yeah. So that is an important one in the case of Cloudflare because Cloudflare basically fired the Daily Stormer as a customer. Mm. So their host said, we can't have you anymore. GoDaddy said, you're off our servers. Cloudflare said, we're not going to put you on our CDN, which is the thing that protects you against attacks. So I think Cloudflare CEO actually put out a letter that said, our first requests, like saying these people are violating your terms of service, actually explicitly said, kick them off Cloudflare so we can DDoS them, which is a fascinating problem in this world. Uh, but they did it anyway. And at the, Cloudflare, I was, you should go read it. They were actually very explicit. Like, we're kind of in control of the internet. Like, if we don't protect you or other companies like us don't protect you, you're not on the internet, which means we have control of speech. But here, we think the case is clear cut. We're okay with it. But Dieter, you were saying that leads to a number of very interesting problems as the internet gets more and more platformized. Yeah, um, I mean, just there's a lot here, and I don't think we have time to get into it. My my thinking on it is, um, I don't know, we'll, we'll call it nascent. Um, but you know how uh, when there's like trolls in the comments section and they get booted and they yell but free speech, and then uh, we or whoever they get booted from are like, yeah, sure, free speech, but uh, that's a that's sort of like in the Bill of Rights for America. It's not in the terms of service for my website. Yeah. Right. Um, that's basically what Cloudflare said is, look, um, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I'm the CEO of a private company um, or, you know, public company. I'm the CEO of a company. And so I, you know, I can choose which customers I want to have. And I don't want to have these guys as customers. So goodbye. Um, but then he immediately in that letter turned around and said, what I just did is very morally suspect because that makes us not content neutral. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think we can all pretty much agree that um, not having Nazis as customers is uh, a good thing. Uh, but right now we're watching companies like Google, Apple, PayPal, Cloudflare, uh, GoDaddy, whomever, you know, do the thing that we want them to do. Uh, but it's because, you know, their terms of service aren't laws. They're just, you know, things that the company decided it, it would do and would want to act. Yeah, on. wait, just to be clear um, about that. And so, yeah, yeah. Companies can change their terms of service at will, right? Like, we cover right. that all the time. Like, if their terms yep. of service didn't let them do that, they could just change their terms of service and then do it. It wouldn't even be hard. Right. So it's, right. it's, it's, it's a weird little corner case. Yeah, and so to me the big question is, does the Bill of Rights, do the, these ideas of like human rights mean anything on the internet at all when uh, everything on the internet gets run through companies that have at will terms of service? Um, and it's a complicated thing because I don't want to sound like the people that are claiming free speech, free speech for you know white nationalism um, because I, I think they're being disingenuous when they when they claim you know yell free speech. However, Right now, we're like in a place where, like, through the largesse of people who I think are fundamentally good people, like Tim Cook and Sundar Pichai and Sachin Nadella and you know other CEOs, they're doing the right thing because of public pressure and uh, so on, and also because they're good people. Um, but if one of those big, massive, powerful, control the internet kinds of companies were decided to actually be evil, um, I don't know what we do about that. Uh, I don't know if, you know, how we want to hold them to account. So it gets into this very, 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 like, 
cyberpunk messy discussion about, you know, our lives moving away from the state into like corporations and like you can spin it out in a million different crazy ways. But I think for me, where I'm at right now is everything here in this past week has moved so quickly that we're going to in the next months and years, like look back and be like, wow, we made a lot of decisions without really thinking about what they mean. And so far, I'm pretty happy with all the decisions that most people are making with regard to dealing with this issue from the, the corporate perspective. But how much of this is like, do the thing you think you, you think is right and then justify it later? And how much of it is acting from first principles? And how much uh, leverage do we as citizens have on the first principles of those companies? Well, so I'll, I'll say two things. One, they are reacting to their customers in the form of consumers yeah. protesting them, right? So GoDaddy has like a business issue in that people who might sign up for GoDaddy are like tweeting at the company and the CEO saying, I'm not going to do business with you if you keep these Nazis on your platform. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a, I don't know, I wouldn't call it like a market reaction, but there's like a PR. Well, no, I think a, a, like a, mar a market reaction is, I think, a fair way to put it. Like, if I decide that I think Google is evil, I'll go use, I don't know, Bing or something, right? But like that works in theory, but in practice, as we've seen with the net neutrality issue, your ability to choose a different company because you dis disagree with its social decisions um, gets pretty constrained pretty quickly when it comes to the internet. Yeah, and especially um, at the infrastructure level. Yeah. So what I was saying was GoDaddy is kind of, they're marketing to consumers and they actually sell something so you can withhold your dollars. Right. Google doesn't really sell you anything. It's very hard to withhold your dollars from Google's ad network. It's just coming at you whether you want to or not. And then a company like Cloudflare, I would just wager that most people have no idea it exists. Mm. Right. So the, the decision makers for spending money on Cloudflare, you have to A, know it exists. B, know that you know your favorite company is protected by Cloudflare CDN and then rally enough people to tell that company to get off cloud. Like, that's a lot. That's yeah. And, I, and like, in the face of Nazism, this thing that I'm worried about is so, like, abstract and nuanced that it's sort of like, it's easy to just twist it and say, oh, well, you're defending Nazis, which clearly I don't want to do. Uh, and so it's the sort of thing where even talking about it in a public way is very difficult. And that's why... You know, a lot of people read that Cloudflare, that letter from Cloudflare from the CEO, and it was like, I don't know, I, I've read it like three times now, and I think it's very, very open and smart and honest about like how complicated this gets and how quickly it gets complicated. Yeah, I think it's a lot simpler, and maybe, I don't know, I, if you listen to the show <laughs> last week, well, I do, but there are reasons, and I'll, I'll get into them, but if you listen to the show last week, we had what I think was a pretty careful conversation about sexism in the tech industry. We have a lot of thoughts. We wanted to make sure we got it right. Um, Dieter and I were talking afterwards. We both felt like we'd been hesitant on the show because we have very strong opinions. But we wanted yeah. to make sure people could listen and felt engaged. And I think for the large part it went well. Like, you know, it was a complicated, heavy conversation. And we had it. And we did it very carefully. I am way less careful about Nazis. Like, those motherfuckers want me dead. Like, it's just, like, very simple. Like, I'm not white. So I don't have any reservations at all about being like, no, 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 make them go away. Like, it's just a very, to me, it's, there's no moral quandary here when, like, I see that. 
Like it just doesn't like it's literally a threat to my person. So like that is just so clear for me. I've been having this weird set of interactions on Twitter where I'm like, I hate Nazis. And then someone's like, but you should listen to them. And I'm like, but what they're saying is I should know. What are you doing? (laughs) Um, And like, I don't, I think what you're saying, Dieter, is correct. Like you can, there's only one side there. I think as you start to pull it back into other realms of speech, then I think you do have to be content neutral. But I don't know that you have to be fully tolerant. And I'm just very comfortable being like, yeah, I'm probably there's probably a great argument against what I'm saying, but just get rid of the Nazi. Like that's very clear to me. I don't I don't see any I don't see months from now us being like, ah oh, man, we made that Nazi decision, but we didn't think it through. Like it's it's <laughs> well, pretty obvious. One of the arguments against this kind of obviously voluntary not government censorship, but this sort of corporate censorship that is that any any kind of censorship can can like send dissent uh, like underground. Yeah. And that it festers underground. So I, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah, I don't. I'm with you, right? I'm Does mostly that cr- a, create sort of a, a, a solidarity and a persecution complex for this set of people, right? And and you can make the argument that it is better to have the Daily Stormer out on the open web, mm. so that the people who need to report on it can just go look at it, right? And there's the long argument that sunlight is the best disinfectant, all these things. And the cure for bad speech is more speech. This is what they teach you in law school about the First Amendment. Like, that is generally the thrust of First Amendment principles. It's interesting. Like, the thing, the, the, the last straw uh, for Cloudflare mm-hmm. was a post on the Daily Stormer saying Cloudflare is one of us. Yeah. And PewDiePie just came out with a video um, where he's like, you know, um, pretty disappointed in in like his past of Nazi jokes, which I do I personally do not think were that offensive. But the thing that he's really disappointed about is that it's like, man, these Daily Stormer Nazi people think I'm one of them. Yeah, and I don't want that no matter what. And so there is this aspect of of like realizing, oh, now that I know what they're saying, and they are saying I'm good. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Like, <laughs> these are all very difficult questions. Like, I don't – this is what I mean. We were very careful last week. Yeah. I am just not – I don't – I personally do not feel any need to be careful in the face of people literally saying that the color of my skin should make me leave America. Like, mm. It just doesn't yeah. seem like I need to engage with that argument in a serious way. And I think that's – it's just really – fun. like, I haven't been doing it because it – it's not a good use of my time, but that's what I want to reply to everyone at Twitter who's like, but you got to, you got to protect. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I personally have to do nothing. Like, I I am allowed to say, like, you should punch a Nazi in the face. Like, it's fine. That's like firmly where I live. But I think these platforms are going to, once they open the door, I do think they're going to be asked to make these decisions again. And they're going to need to have some rational thinking behind what what content neutrality actually means for them mm-hmm. in a way that you don't need to when it's Nazis. You just don't. Like, I I just firmly believe that you don't need to protect Nazis on your content neutral, neutral platform. Like, I think that ultimately threatens the neutrality of the platform you're trying to build because it means you won't have people engaging. Yeah, I mean, if, if the U.S. federal government ran Cloudflare, 
we could have that discussion because they're enjoined by the Bill of Rights. <laughs> but <laughs> they don't, and so we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like, I don't know. If you're Google and, you, you know, you, you're trying to serve the world and you're Apple or Microsoft and your customer base is the world – it actually starts to threaten you in like a very specific way. Anyway, this was supposed to be a small digression about Nazis, but mm. I, I just wanted to bring it up. I want to make sure we talked about it because it is. We I read the site twice through over the past week where, as we we're prepping for the show, and it is by far the biggest story happening in tech right now. Right, like if we talk about the web on this show constantly, whether it's living, whether it's dying, probably dying. That's <laughs> just a fact. Uh, <laughs> and this is the thing. This is the. The moment when the the power of the platforms is incredibly apparent is a moment like this, when you have a group of people, and it's not just, I set up a web server, and now I'm giving my content to this open network. It's, I rely on massive privately owned platforms for everything I do in this space. Well, you should probably consider that in some way. And and I think those that issue... Is being engaged with on a lot of a lot of different levels of yeah. of you know alternatives to Twitter and you know alternatives to HTTP and like the Bitcoinification of things. Like there is a lot of work at decentralizing the internet. Yeah. Um, so it's not like this is all there is. But right now, yeah. this is all there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Nazi coin fails. Uh, anyway, do you want to talk about gadgets? Maybe. All right. Should we? Maybe. I'm sad. I'm gonna, here, I'll read an ad. Maybe we need, a, we need a palate cleanser, an ad palate cleanser. Advertising is the greatest <laughs> palate cleanser capitalism has ever devised. I think we're all in agreement about that. So I'm going to read an ad. We're going to take a break. This ad is going to be the, the, the pickled ginger of, uh, of commerce. That's good. It's going to be the, the glass of milk after the spicy chicken wing. <laughs> that a thing? That's a thing. I don't know. I'll have to try that next time at Popeyes. This episode of the Vergecast brought to you by Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You can even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, Squarespace has award-winning templates which create a beautiful website in a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have a question, Squarespace has award-winning 24-7 customer support that can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial. Think of it as your very own IT department. So, make your next move. Start your free trial at squarespace.com today. If you enter offer code VERGE, you get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's offer code VERGE, V-E-R-G-E. You get 10% off your first purchase at Squarespace. All right, Dieter, we have other Hello. phone news here. But let me just, sure. let me just set this do up. Do you care about any of it? Not really. I want to talk about Essential. But let me, let me do some context and then you get into it because I know you have lots and lots of thoughts. We are in the middle of, like, the lull, right? So we know the iPhone is likely coming in September. We know there's a Pixel 2. We know there's probably some sort of... New Samsung device off in this world. Dieter's holding up the essential phone to the camera. What, what a, a what a braggart. What a troll. Um, but the essential phone is out now. Essential, hilariously, has sold it's nothing. sort of out. Has made nothing. 
is now valued at over a billion dollars. So that's crazy. They've announced they're going to be out on Sprint. You can uh, what Amazon, Best Buy. This company yeah. is in the middle of the lull before all the big stuff comes out. They're trying to make the splash. And you uh, you have the phone. Tell us about the phone. I do. Um, I'm hot and cold on the phone. Uh, super hot on it, and then um, and then I use the camera, and I'm not so hot. Yeah, more cold. That's not good, um, right? So, I mean, here's here's the first thing I'll say. I adore the hardware. I think that I've got this in the video and it's in the review. Uh, we have for 20, not 20, at least 10 years now made jokes about like phones are just going to turn into the monolith from 2001, just uh, like featureless black slab. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a featureless black slab. Like yeah. <laughs> there's just no other way to describe <laughs> it. Really, really close. Okay. It's got, it's um, got some rounded corners. Yeah, the, it's, it's, the, the corners are slightly rounded. Uh, it's like the edges on the thing are just rounded enough so they don't, like, cut you. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's literally made out of stone. It's ceramic on the back. <laughs> 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 and so, for me, uh, I, I think that this is this is my favorite phone hardware that I've touched in, like, a year. And I've been talking to, um, you know, Dan and Vlad about it. And they're like, you are being – you like this too much. And I'm, they're like, isn't it – like, is it really better than, say – the Galaxy S8, and it is for me, just like my personal aesthetics, uh, I described it to Vlad this way. I'm like, look, look at a Jaguar. It's all curvy, and it's like really proud of itself for being curvy. Like You're it's talking about the car or the curvy. animal? The car. Or the video the game car. console. Yeah, the Atari right. Jaguar. Although uh, I will say the animals are often quite high and mighty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at, say, like a Volvo, it's boxy and it's proud of it, right? Yeah. It's like, it's okay to be boxy. And this thing... It's not a knockoff of an iPhone, and that is, like, the highest praise that you can give a phone right now because the <laughs> Pixel looks like a knockoff of the iPhone, right? Yeah. Um, it's got just pure, clean Android, and I think that, like, half of that is because Andy Rubin, who made Android, wanted a pure, clean Android, and half of it is because they are just rushing this thing out the door. I know it's delayed and late, um, but, like, the camera software isn't quite done. I think if they had more time, they might have done more stuff. Uh, he talked a little bit about like wanting to have more AI built into the UI. Uh, so like smart replies in Gmail, he wants that kind of like automatic suggestion stuff to be in more places. Anyway, the camera's just not ready. Uh, it's a dual sensor camera. So it has a color and a black and white sensor, both 13 megapixels. And uh, the idea is like the the black and white can get a bunch of light data and the color can get a bunch of color data and then you can put it together and uh, there's not a whole lot of noise and everything is great. Uh, but in practice, it's just like it. the photos look like, I don't know, man, they, they look like iPhone 5S photos or like Ooh, iPhone 6 photos. That's not good. Yeah. It's like they're fine. And they're great in daylight. I think they're too yellow. Uh, I actually went I went and you know told them what I think. And so they sat me down with. Um, one of their engineers who uh, worked on the iPhone, like toning, tuning the iPhone camera for five years, um, worked on the iPhone 7 camera. Um, and she's like, look, like we liked our photos to be a little bit more naturalistic and Google is really punchy with their HDR. Um, and, you know, we're making ours punchier over time, but I, I really like the, the iPhone aesthetic. I mean, I made the iPhone aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and so I respect that. I respect that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it just doesn't pull off what it's, claiming to pull off, especially in low light, um, which on something like a OnePlus phone, you know, you'll take it. 
Uh, but this phone is 700 bucks, and you know, I, it's still cheaper than I think its heads-up competitors, the Pixel XL and the iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, but I think that at that price point, like you need to be up in that top tier of camera quality, and this just isn't. And I haven't even talked about the modules yet. Um, but that's like as a phone, that's where I feel it's at. But in your opinion, what is the percentage of blame on the physical sensor and the software, which the software could theoretically get better? <sighs> so I know that's hard to. They judge. say that. Yeah, they say the software is going to get better. Uh, there is an HDR mode in development, and we did see a portrait, you know, bokeh background thing uh, when we went to, to visit Playground, which is essential. Like, it's that's all complicated. I'm not going to get into that corporate weirdness. Um, so, and I also will admit uh, that uh, the Google camera, like, leaked, basically, and, like, somebody hacked it so that you could install it on any phone that has a Qualcomm 835 and an Adreno or whatever the, <laughs> the uh, GPU is. Um and so I did install that camera, uh, and I was actually pretty happy. I don't know if it was like taking full advantage of the two sensor set setup and all of that stuff. Um, so I would say that I think it's sixty-five percent software fixable, and thirty-five percent the sensors probably aren't very good. Like especially in low light, they don't have like the you know giant pixels that you get on a, a Google Pixel. Do you know what? Do you know what um, sensor it is? I don't. But even though I'm saying it's 65% software, that doesn't mean that I believe that like they can make it 65% better by fixing the software. Because even though I trust that they're going to release updates for this thing, uh, how many times have we over the years complained about a camera on an Android phone and had the manufacturer say, oh, yeah, no, we know it, but like, it's just the first round. We're going to fix it. It'll get way better soon. And then it never does. Yeah. yeah. And what's weird point. is Every their time. Android camera competition right now is insanely good. Right, the yeah. U11, the HTC U11 has a great camera. The mm -hmm. S8 has a terrific camera. The Pixel has a terrific camera. Uh, Vlad is pretty aggressive in saying all of those cameras are way better than the iPhone 7 Plus camera. And you know, I have one of those, and I have a Pixel XL, and they're pretty close. I think that the step change from the 6s camera to the 7 camera is very small to my eye. Um, I know yeah. that the Plus has a portrait mode and all that stuff, but the raw, just taking a picture, the step change is very small. If they can't beat a 6S, they're they're in a bad place. So I know you yeah. wanted. I mean, I, I, you, there's there's a whole bunch of sample photos up on the website, and so you can go go look at them yourself. Um, I I took a, two different versions of the camera firmware. Actually, they updated it while I was reviewing it, so I had to go outside and retake all of my photos. Uh, and you can just you can just see it like it blows out highlights. It it doesn't handle situations where HDR is really helpful. It doesn't handle low light as well as it ought. And in ideal situations, it's just kind of too yellow. So I know you want to talk about modules, but to me, the standout thing is this bezel list, the top with that little little cutout. Yep. What? How, so do, you, it's how LCD. do you feel about it compared to like the S8? No, it's super great. You don't see it unless you like look directly at it. It just it disappears into the phone. It doesn't interfere with the operation of the phone at all. Uh, it just I don't know. I think it, it the having the screen go up there feels better. Um, It'll be interesting. It will be interesting to see how people feel about this method of doing it. Like they're doing it, Sharp's doing it versus what Apple is doing with the the iPhone eight, uh, where it's like more like bunny ears rather than like most of the screen. Um, interestingly, I said, "Why did you go with LCD instead of OLED?" And like, well, we you know we started this thing eighteen months ago, and um, eighteen months ago we needed to get going faster, and it was easier to get a cutout out of LCD than it was out of OLED. 
Um, but the rumor is Apple's going with OLED, so I'm wondering if maybe they like just couldn't get the supplier because Apple had it all locked up. Uh, but it being LCD means that they do have to have a little bit of a chin on the bottom because you need to somewhere to put the light to like drive the screen. Mm. Um, but it's a pretty small chin, so I don't mind it too badly. What about like in when you hold? How do you hold it in landscape? And you're watching watching your favorite next oh. Netflix series, Love season two. I don't know. You, you, just, <laughs> you just hold it. You just hold it. Love yeah. is a bad copy. Uh, when you go worst. when I'm you go into you. landscape, it does letterbox the video so that the you know selfie camera doesn't. Im- occlude the video doesn't like cut off the video there are a couple of times where like if something will go full screen and it will like hide something but like whatever it's like 95 percent of the time it's you don't even see it it's completely invisible it really sounds like they're rushing this thing out if that if that is a real problem yeah i think they are rushing it out but i also think uh, i mean i talked to i talked to andy rubin for like 45 minutes yesterday over the phone and I, I basically asked him that. And he, he basically said, look, um, I feel like there's a duopoly out there. Uh, I feel that nobody is trying to take Apple's business model and succeed with it. Uh, and I think that it's totally possible to make money off of selling phones. So I'm going to do it. And I also feel like it's okay to be an open company. And so, you know, why was it delayed? Uh, he says that it was delayed because when they sent it out for carrier certification, the carriers found a bunch of bugs and they had to fix more than they expected, right? Isn't there just the one carrier? No, they got to get it certified on everybody because this is going to be a worldwide phone. It's going on TELUS. Uh, I expect more carriers in the future. There's a there's like 50,000 radio bands in this thing. Sure. Um, okay. Because if it's yeah. just Sprint, so, like if just Sprint is fucking up your universe – like they're like this yeah. is really bad. Like you're in a bad spot. But if it's everybody, I understand. No, I think they're rushing it out the door. But I think that the perception that they're rushing it out the door is because we know kind of more than we usually do about a phone's development because they've been working so hard to hype it up and, and like talk about it, right? Like they took they took a whole bunch of reporters into the playground headquarters and showed us all of the stuff. And like lots of companies do that, but not a lot of companies do that before like they make their big splash to and they don't they usually do it to like one person, not to a whole, you know, gaggle yeah. of reporters. Do you think that they're rushing to beat the iPhone? I mean that that would be the if I had to take I mean, the most pessimistic view is they have they have to own this cycle and the lull before the iPhone. And this is the well, deep lull. I mean, they don't have much time, right? Like, yeah. they've got, like, a month. I actually think that the big competitor to this thing, sure, it's the iPhone, but really it's the Pixel. Like, yeah. the only reason to get this instead of a Pixel is because you want a phone without, with like, without the glass shade or with no logo, right? And if you really believe in the module system, maybe. But we don't know enough about whether or not that's going to succeed yet. And history has taught us that modules don't do super well. Yeah, t- talk about the um, modules. Okay, so... My bias is that I have a soft spot for modules yeah. dating back to the handspring visor. Uh, I think <laughs> just there it is. Um, the only module I've been able to try is the 360 camera, which is itself a hair buggy. Uh, I think the quality on it, I'm not a pro at like judging 360 cameras, but the quality is like medium. Um, hilarious, hilarious story. The camera has a fan in it, and when it, you're not recording, the fan inside the tiny little camera blows Why? some hot air. If, if I had it here with me, I'd like let you listen to it. Yeah, the uh, does it make a, a video little like coughing? Some... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like a. <laughs> yeah, it's a little fan. It's a little fan sound. Yeah. That's adorable. That's what um, you want from your phone. A fan. Yeah. Almost dropped my phone. When you record, it turns off. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but the. The tech behind it is is simple. Like there's the pogo pins for charging, and then the rest of it is just straight up wireless USB. 
and like he is planning on putting out the reference so anybody can stick it in their devices and anybody can make modules for it. Um, and that is interesting to have a, a system of gadgets like wireless USB and just a couple of pogo pins for charging. Um, I like that it's it's different what Motorola is doing. Like uh, so, Motorola like it, it's like shaped to the phone, which is great for putting in your pocket. But otherwise, if you know you want to get a different phone or ch or change it, you're screwed. So this magnet system, it's not great for putting stuff in your pocket. You can't like leave it on there as easily. But it means that uh, if three years from now they want to, you know, stick the you know magnets and the wireless USB on the other side of the phone, or you want to stick it on his like home speaker, or you want to stick it on, you know some other gadget because LG decided to jump on the the hype train for, you know, wireless modules, you could do that. So technically and philosophically, um, I think it's very interesting. Um, like practically and, you know, I don't know, pragmatically, are they going to be able to like make and sell enough of these to like make it an interesting market? Nah. Nah. <laughs> I mean, they got, they got to sell a lot of phones. Like it just seems real hard. The, the number they keep saying is, look, we're a tiny startup. If we sell a million phones a year and we've got, like, a good margin, like, imagine we're making a $100 margin. Uh, there's $100 million a year in profit for a company that's two years old. That's actually really good for a startup. So that's what they're saying. I don't know if they're going to hit a million phones a year, first of all. And even if they do, Andy Rubin himself admits, like, that is not an interesting market for consumer, like, electronics companies to make modules. So what he really needs is to make more products that these modules can fit on, and he needs to convince other manufacturers to adopt this wireless USB module standard. That's a lot. I'm just yep. going to say that's a lot. It, like, like to build your business dude. model around, I'm going to make accessories, and the accessories are going to drive interest is bonkers. No, 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 no. All of the, all of the th stuff we have been talking about, everything we've just been talking about, boils down to glorified marketing and a little bit of cash flow for his actual dream of unifying all of the disparate <laughs> systems in your smart home under the ambient OS, which is an AI and a system that allows you to seamlessly communicate via Siri, Alexa, Cortana, smart things, Brillo. Oh my God. You know, thread. Don't everything. forget thread. Thread, right? Uh, <laughs> like, so you saw uh, that thing too, right? A, like, well, so what they have is they have a, a 3D printed dummy of it, right? And then they have the 4.5 inch circular screen on like a breadboard, you know, just a exposed electronic board. And it's cycling through a bunch of different screens that are like, imagine if it did this. And so like, okay, what does it run? Well, we're not going to tell you. Okay, well, can developers make apps for it? Yeah, okay, so what language? Well, we're not going to tell you. Okay, well, so, you know, so like there's a lot they're not willing to say about it yet. Um, but if you look at the images, like you see logos for Spotify and Alexa and Cortana's um, in there. Sonos and Cortana, uh, all of which run on Android. So it's probably all built on Android. Um, but it's you know it's a big 4.5 inch circular circular display, and uh, you it's a mix of voice and touch, and uh, that's about as much as I can say really. Not because I know more, but because that's like you can only speculate so much based on like four or five screenshots. Yeah. I'm trying to – what's a good parallel to that kind of company? It's like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff happening in this market, but it's a bunch of different companies. It's all confusing, and it's too hard, and it's annoying. We will step in and deal with it for you. That's Apple. That's what you're describing. Is it? 
Apple makes its own. Well, Wait, are you talking about like being the, well? So the difference I mean, that's is like the like Apple Apple's, consumer's product. Apple's a closed ecosystem, right? Apple, but, and he's trying to build an open ecosystem. He's trying to like. Are you describing like what is the ultimate the consumer middleware company that just like glues everything together for you? Yeah, I don't think consumer middleware like the Logitech Harmony is the most successful yeah. consumer middleware mm, that has ever. That's existed. a good. One. That's a good one. And, and then what? What's number two? Just, like Sonos. Sonos. Sonos isn't though because Sonos just. They've, yeah, but they, 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 act, as, they act as a they they let you plug in a bunch of different music apps into a unified system. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, it it just it's, it's just so not the same. It's like they make speakers, and then the music like the music app companies mostly don't make speakers. So like, so of I'm course. not crazy in thinking there aren't a ton of examples when this works. Yeah, the Logitech Harmony. That's the that's your best case scenario. <laughs> A bunch of IR blasted middleware commands. That's what you want in the world. Uh, yeah. So, Dieter, should people buy this phone? No. Yikes. Oh, man. Um, look, no, look, I, I put my SIM card back in it. I turned off iMessage. Um, I, like I said, this is like in terms of basic hardware and like a basic Android experience. It's my favorite phone. Like, I like this better than the GS8, uh, but the camera's not good enough and spending the money on this phone. Um, you know, a month before the iPhone and two months before the next Pixel, uh, just seems like a, a big silly mistake. You should you should wait until the Pixel two X Pixel XL two comes out, um, and you should you know maybe wait for the iPhone and see if they can make some upgrades to the camera on the essential phone. I will say and the then Pixel, you can make a pretty informed decision. The Pixel has a huge problem coming its way, which is it's going to okay. be the only phone with bezels. Right? No, there's All two of- Pixels. There's two pixels. There's two. There's, there's, there's the Pixel, which is the phone with bezels, with dual speakers, and squeezy technology, and it's made by HTC. But Android Police had renders of the Pixel XL 2, which looks much closer to something like, you know, an LG V whatever, the, the new V30. V whatever that's coming. The V30 looks hot. Or the new. LG G6, or the... Um, you know, the Galaxy S8. My hunch is that the LG V30 is like the foundation of the Pixel XL2. If I had to, that's my crazy idea. That's my crazy hunch. I know yeah. it's not like the same thing, but because it's not a Nexus, but I mean, I but don't that's know. been the that's move kind of they've hunch. been making. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like Google has a long history of being like, cool flagship mid tier manufacturer. We will now <laughs> take it from you. I, uh, <laughs> I almost dropped my phone today and I like grabbed it all of a sudden. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I just squeezed it. <laughs> and then I remembered that I don't have a phone that has squeezy. Just, so somehow it seeped into my mind. Oh, you found your dongle. My hey. sister-in-law, yeah. Bethany Miller, the kindest human on the earth, yeah. sent me my headphones and dongle that I left at her house. Very nice. On our family reunion. And so now you're using that one because of love instead of the fancy one that you bought. Because the fancy love. one I bought was bad and it had noise on the line. Look, there's not a lot I'm going to say here except that I was 100% right about the problems of the dongles. Yeah. Also, Dieter, no... I, uh, I left my dongle, no headphone jack. It comes with a USB-C dongle. It's very nice. The cord is like fabric... Yeah, wound, yeah, yeah, great. got fabric on it. Super excited um, about that. Definitely, definitely <laughs> left the USB C dongle and my Bluetooth headphones at the office um, a couple days ago, and had nothing to listen to on the way home, and Wait. had nothing to listen to on the way back in the next day. Are you, are you, oh, this was the other day because you have AirPods in right now. Well, that's I'm talking to you on Skype from my computer. That's why. 
Yeah. But Pixel not supposed to have a headphone jack. Essential phone doesn't have a headphone yeah. jack. iPhone probably not yep. going to. I get a lot of tweets right now, All the, every new Pixel leak yep. where it shows no headphone jack. People are like, are you going to complain about that too? And I say to you, I am. How do it we, is still bullshit. We, this is my line from the review. I say, I'm I'm going to continue to be a curmudgeon about this. <laughs> I don't care. How do we make it your guys' fault? That there's no headphones. <laughs> yeah, it's the complainers. I just, I, people come up to me, random strangers approach me now, and they say things like, I love this phone, but I hate that it doesn't have a headphone jack. Dieter, uh, uh, no, you weren't there. I, uh, Helen and TC came to my place upstate, and we went over the ridge of the mountain to like take a photo. Mm-hmm. And there was another group there, and they asked us to take their photo. And I like took the dude's iPhone, and I asked the question I ask everybody, whoever hands me a phone, what do you think of this phone? Just me doing some reporting, trying to understand it. Five-minute conversation about headphone jacks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be this person. TC's just laughing at me. Yeah. I, it's I didn't. I just said what everyone was thinking. I'm not like the the bannerman for this particular issue. Yeah, but if you I want mean, me to complain about it, are no, 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 uh, no, no. Let's be let's be very clear. You're the dude at the front <laughs> of the army holding the banner, about to get trampled Here, by the horses. You know, here's what I'm worried about: and rushing into rooms to tell me they don't like this thing. Here's what I'm worried about: I'm worried about curmudgeonly capture. Your personal brand (laughs) and your website benefits from the fact that you complain about lack of headphone jacks, which could lead you to actually push manufacturers to removing headphone jacks more often so that you make more bread. Yeah. So we get more clicks and we have more pages and they can put the ads on the pages and more people see their ads. Think about that. It's a real That's how the internet works. Look, it's dumb, and it's, I think it's particularly dumb. It is particularly dumb for Android manufacturers who do not have a Bluetooth headphone product nearly as good as AirPods to sell. But it does make more sense with USB-C. Because, be, because Apple has clearly done some sort of magic that makes it impossible to, to make a good one of these headphone jacks. One of these dongles, one of these adapters. Like the third-party dongles are not good. Yeah, they they don't exist, and they're hard to find. And the one I found that had four and a half stars on Amazon literally had noise on the line. It feels like I know this dude who has a gadget blog. He talks about I'm gonna, I'm gonna gadgets every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, just checking. I'm now, I've now right. assigned Paul two stories on this podcast. I'm going to write about it. <laughs> It just, yeah. I mean, uh, Haim just did the video for us at Circuit Breaker about how USB-C is still a total mess. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Like, I, well, just, I haven't tried out the dongle and like this versus the HTC's implementation of the dongle, and I haven't had the will to get into whether or not the USB-C dongle on this thing is like standards based or not. Oh yeah, I, that's I, a whole other I, thing. That's that's a follow up. Dieter, you're assigned the. <laughs> Did you make the same idiotic mistake as HTC Andy Rubin post? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a mess. Look, we're generating so much content, theoretically. Uh, <laughs> theoretical. That's why you come to the Vergecast. <laughs> Promises of things we might not do. Anyway, look, maybe I'll write the thing about... I just think Apple got away with it because they're Apple. You're going to get a new iPhone. It's a thing that happens. It mm. happened to a lot of people. They ship the headphones in the box. It's great. Whatever. But... There's a reason that people like 
leap across train tracks to tell me about their their lack of affinity for the headphone jack removal mm-hmm. because it's annoying. Well, there's people. There's a reason why people like Android because they can actually have a choice about these things. So yeah, I mean, I think that's like a the danger for the Android manufacturers who are doing this is that Samsung is still the biggest one. They figured out how to make their phone real small, have no bezels, look beautiful, have this thing that people want. And if you're in the store and you're looking at the two phones that are pretty similar that run the same operating system and one has more features, what are you going to do? Especially if there's not the great Bluetooth headphone story like AirPods sitting next to it. Anyway, that has been this week in headphone (laughs) chat rants with the VergeCast. I'm going to read an ad. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read one more ad. Uh, You might have noticed Lauren Grush has a new show on The Verge called Spacecraft. It is very cool. It's very fun. It's up on YouTube now. You should go watch the first episode. Uh, As we did with Lauren Good's show, Next Level, I talked to Lauren Grush about Spacecraft. We're going to run that, and we're going to come back. Some other things are going to happen. So let me read this ad. We're going to listen to Lauren. We're going to come back. This episode of Vergecast also brought to you by Parachute, which makes incredibly beautiful sheets. It's bed sheets. Parachute products are all designed at a headquarters in Venice Beach. Their sheets have a modern, clean design that works with any style of home. The natural colors and minimalist styles are gender neutral. They incorporate thoughtful design details, like a back envelope closure on their pillowcases and soft rubber buttons on the bottoms of their duvet covers. It is incredibly easy to mix and match between all of their colors and fabrics. So visit parachutehome.com slash verge for free shipping and returns on your own set of parachute sheets. Plus, Parachute offers a 60-night trial, so if you don't love it, just send it back with no questions asked. That's parachutehome.com slash verge for free shipping and returns. Can I say I wish I had the back envelope design on my pillowcases? Yeah. Because I got really long pillows accidentally uh, and like relatively short pillowcases and those pillowcases just poop those pillows right <laughs> out. <laughs> well, I know an offer code for you, my friend. Yeah. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Neelai. Um, It's really funny because everyone has heard me on the show saying, hey, Lauren, to another Lauren for four weeks. But you and are Lauren Grush. I, but I, I'm also another LG. Yeah. We, we have two Laurens, both with a G- Last name. This is true. I think Lauren Good refers to you as LG One, which is not right. We're we're <laughs> equal LGs. LG One and LG One A. <laughs> she just gives me that because I was here before her, but I was here before her like a week or something. <laughs> I just like LG One because it makes you sound like a rocket. <laughs> like LG1. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I like that. Anyway, so you, uh, so if you have been listening to Vergecast, you know we had. Lauren, good show, Next Level. Lauren came on. Which was awesome. It was really great. Um, and she was on the Vergecast every week to talk about her episodes. Uh, that show, that first season has ended, and now the first season of your show, Spacecraft, is kicked off. Yeah. So we're going to do the same thing. Tell us about Spacecraft. So Spacecraft, well, at least the first season of Spacecraft is all about, you know, what it takes to go to space as a person, you know, being an astronaut. So we go through spacesuits. We go through the different types of VR and simulation training, uh, health. Health is a big thing. I think a lot of people don't think about when it goes to space. The, the microgravity environment isn't 
hospitable to people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, having lived on Earth with the gravity, taking that gravity away is bad for you. That's like my dream. (laughs) Take it away. Yeah, maybe for a little bit, but living in space, you know, is is, uh, takes its toll on the body. And there are other aspects of space too. But we'll get in. You'll have to watch the show. Um, (laughs) Sorry, plugging. Do the interview first, and then we right, plug. right, right. Sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then, of of course, it all culminates with actually experiencing zero G. What yeah. does that mean? You also have to watch to find out. Is everything you say going to end with watch to find Look, out? Look, I've just learned how to to really plug this show so well. <laughs> so here we are. Um, so what was the what was like the genesis of you wanting to do this kind of show versus? I mean, you've been making space videos for us for a long time. Yeah. Why why this specific kind of show? I just really wanted to be much more immersive in the process. I mean, it's always fun to go out and see a rocket launch, but you're so far away. And, you know, the human experience is tactile. It's, you know, you want to be there and experiencing and seeing these things up close. So I really wanted to kind of take people into that experience through my own eyes and experience that way. So, yeah, it was really just more about putting myself into these weird situations and then just letting the chaos ensue. Yeah. But you have like history, right? You, at the beginning of your show, you often say your parents are rocket scientists. Yeah. Growing up, I, my, both my parents were engineers at NASA's Johnson Space Center. And so I always had a bit of a taste of the space life, if you will, (laughs) if that's a thing. That's the next show. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Space life. Yeah, but even then it was kind of, you know, I was observing on the outside. And so this was really just an attempt, a selfish attempt on my part to get to <laughs> to go and play with all these fun toys that, that astronauts get to play with. Well, that's like the best part when you get to have your work line up with the thing you want to do. Exactly. That's good. So tell us about this first episode. So the first episode uh, is all about spacesuits, but specifically we're focusing on the next generation of spacesuits. Uh, right now, you know, when you wear a spacesuit, or if you're an astronaut, you're out uh, going outside of the International Space Station, and your spacesuit is kind of attuned to doing spacewalks in lower Earth orbit. But if we go to other places, let's say the Moon or Mars, you're going to need a completely different type of suit because you have to consider the gravity of the location you're going to. You have to consider the atmospheric composition. It, you know, not all of space is the same temperature. <laughs> you go through different extremes. And also dust. Dust is a big thing. You know, you don't have to worry about that so much in lower Earth orbit. But if you go to the moon, dust can get in your clothes. And if you don't properly prepare for it, you know, then it can kind of muck up systems. And so you want to make sure that you properly take care of that. So in the first episode, we t- try on different uh, lunar and Mars prototype suits. And you'll see that it's not the most comfortable experience. <laughs> and and I'll admit that it has to do with the fact that I'm trying them here on Earth. But it just goes to show that it's not as easy as just zipping up a suit. Like, it's a very complicated process. It takes a while to get in the suit. And uh, it takes it, – it's not – I think the guy that I talked to made a good point. It's it's very hard to contain a human in a bag of oxygen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and there's yeah. that scene where the suit's being pressurized and you're just like yeah. completely uncomfortable. And as once it, once it pressurizes, so yeah, it's another thing about your suits there. You have to be pressurized because you basically are kind of containing, you're trying to recreate a small part of Earth's atmosphere in the suit. It's not totally Earth's atmosphere, but you still need that pressurization. That's a big deal. And... Uh, once they did that, I, I, it felt like I was in a big 
human balloon and trying to move my arms. It was I was getting just a workout from trying to maneuver my hands, you know, because wow. because the, the suit is kind of like actively pushing against you, you know. So, I mean, it might it might be different on Mars, for instance. Mars has one third the gravity of Earth. So the weight of the suit, too, probably wouldn't be it wouldn't feel as restrictive. So that's one thing to consider. But uh, I definitely think that people who want to live on Mars might want to reconsider that yeah. idea. Because <laughs> going outside is impossible. I'm just saying it's, it's not going to – you'll never ha- go for a stroll again. And if that's the only way to walk around on Mars is in this suit, eh, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you were trying on the suit, this is like the number one question we got after your first episode aired. You're trying on the big Mars suit. It looks crazy, by the way. It's yeah. like striped. It looked like an old-time football uniform. Like it's like <laughs> yeah, it's it a wild-looking. I think thing. my favorite part was the torso. It looked like I had a really long body because there was kind of the way it connected was o- o- over the chest, and so it just kind of looks like I have this really <laughs> long stomach. Anyway, continue. Um, but there's a part you couldn't film, and we actually we put up a slide that's like we weren't allowed to film this, right? And everyone wants to know exactly why. So it's very murky. And I talked to uh, a guy who does space law at um, the university. And uh, it's because of these things called ITAR restrictions. And it might not just be ITAR. There's also another similar type of restriction, uh, EAR. I have to look up that acronym. But basically, it's um, rules for how you can transport technologies and not just transport them physically, but the knowledge of technology. So since they were building this suit for NASA, for government purposes, I believe there were some restrictions in terms of exporting via video the knowledge of how the suits can be put together. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, there are not as many restrictions, though, on, uh, or it looks like (coughs) there may not be um, as, as tight restrictions for suits for commercial purposes. So maybe the suits that are being used, well, see, then again, I was going to say the commercial crew suits like SpaceX and Boeing are making, they might not have as many restrictions. However, they will be used by NASA astronauts. So it, it's yeah. it's a very complicated process. Um, and and it, it not we we later learned we might have been able to film it. It might not have been that big of a deal, but just to be on the safe side, we... Yeah. You don't want to show the button that says weapons system and games. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, those restrictions are insane. We um, In the early 2000s, I think Apple wasn't allowed to export Power Mac G4s because they were technically supercomputers. Is that part of ITAR? Yeah. No? Like, they were technically supercomputers... And there were export restrictions on supercomputers. Oh, that's crazy. Because they could be used to like make weapons. <laughs> and it was obviously ridiculous. And they're just like computers. Yeah, I believe what happened is they reclassified spacesuits from ITAR to the EAR, which is kind of similar. Um, but it was technically classified, spacesuits were classified as like military type material. So kind of in the same class as weapons. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, it was funny because when I talked to the space lawyer, he was like, I try to put ITAR out of my mind because it gives me such a headache because <laughs> there's so many different rules and regulations that you have to adhere to. When it comes I love to that stuff. there's one, a space lawyer and B, the space lawyer has oh, like specific irritations. Space, we should just do a whole season on space law because I find it fascinating. That is the worst ABC primetime show. <laughs> Space law. Says you. <laughs> I think it's great. No, I, I'm into that. So you tried on the Mars suit. It was heavy. 
Yeah. Really pressurized. It does look insane. Right. But then you also tried on a moon suit. Yeah. So that one was lighter just because it was a training suit. Mm-hmm. They, I believe we weren't, maybe they had like taken apart the actual prototype so we couldn't put it on. But uh, I don't think you can actually, I'm not sure if you could have taken the prototype outside. So this was like allowed us to go and pretend to, to be on the moon, <laughs> except we were in a field in North Dakota, <laughs> right next to the highway. So, Which is very moonlike. Yeah, exactly. I, I wonder if, because you could kind of see the highway from where we were. So I wonder if people were driving by and were like, but that thing, that thing sits out there all the time. So maybe if you're just local driving voters, by. like we got to cut that university funding. <laughs> what is happening over there? No, actually, the thing that they have out there is really cool. It's a Mars lunar habitat. Yeah, and it's it's they try to make a whole self-containing habitat, and it's not fully done yet. So uh, I don't know if we showed some parts, but they're actually making an entire module for growing plants and. Uh, they do a lot of t- uh, testing out there, isolation testing or, or like training as if they were on a 30-day mission or something on the moon. They can't leave. The only way to leave is to go out that rover and into the spacesuit. So they, they actually way. live in that hab for 30 yeah. days at a time? Yeah. Because in the show, you're like, here's a bed and here's a kitchen. I was like, what no, is this No, they're actually for? living there. And eventually it'll be bigger, but I believe there are only a few modules that they could have moved to. So... Um, but in the future, if someone you know gets angry with somebody else, they can go to another module. But <laughs> just imagine, that's another thing you have to think about is if you're getting upset with somebody, hopefully you don't, but you're stuck with them in this little space for a little while. Wow. You so, can go for a walk in the suit if in you the want. Suit. So you, you had to like go through the hab into the rover, yeah. making air quotes, the oh, rover yeah. module, and then you jumped into the suit? Yes. Yeah, so basically they had a handlebar. This was another part we didn't film just for safety's sake, but... Um, they had a handlebar above the suit. Like, if you saw, it was kind of the back of it was connected to the rover. So they unzip that part. You put your feet in first. You hold yourself kind of um, uh, with the bar and put your feet in. They helped me get my feet situated, and then I put my hands in, and then they zipped me up in the back. And then if you look, I I clasped a, a lever of some kind, which unhooked me from the suit or from the rover and it let me go free <laughs> and then you ran around the <laughs> and then i ran around i think i did a little more than they um wanted me to because they they said people get tired really quick which i did get tired but after they were like we we try to stay close to them in case you know <laughs> something goes wrong <laughs> so what were the big differences between obviously one's a testing suit yeah it wasn't pressurized it wasn't fully pressurized i didn't have any kind of life support system on the back so if you saw there is a big um like backpack. I don't think it was filled with any kind of technology to so so that was it was lighter that way. That was nice. It was still pretty hot. There's a big you know there's insulation running through the suit. Um and and we also noted that normally when you're wearing these suits you have like a liquid cooling pressure or not pressure undergarment that you use and it has tubing that goes through and and uh douses you with uh what like cold water. Um, so that's usually used to regulate your temperature. We didn't put that on, so I yeah. got sweaty really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's like the purpose of training in that suit? What are you trying to learn how to do if you were somebody actually training? I mean, the idea is just to get a feel for what it's going to be like to work in that suit. A big part of the suits are the gloves because if you're going to be working with tools, your gloves really have to be both, you know, pressurized and dexterous, which is very tough because it did feel like I had big sausages for fingers. And the gloves didn't quite, I mean, I think I was a little too small for the suit, so my hands didn't fit all the way. So 
when I was picking things up, it felt a little bit clumsy. Um, but yeah, that was really it. It it's hard to show without you being in the suit. But those tasks that I had, where I just had to pick up a ball or had to, um, I think there was one time it was like I had what looked like a dust sweeper, and I had to pick up the ball with that. And that I think the one we showed was maybe like my fifth attempt or something because I had to just kind of moving it didn't work. I had to swing it as hard as I can to get that momentum so that it the ball went in. Yeah. Uh, and so that was just doing that. It's the the easiest stuff here. So it really was eye opening how just how much the suit limits your abilities when you're out there. This all just reminds me of the video you made at CES where you got in the huge mech suit yeah. that made you feel like you were an old person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they're not all that dissimilar. Now, I do want to say, I don't want to feel like a bad-mouthing these suits. They're amazing, amazing feats of engineering. The fact right. that these things can keep you alive on another planet is insane, but it just goes to show... All the things that need to happen in order to keep you alive don't necessarily equate to a comfortable experience. Right. So in terms of what you saw, obviously this is a university that's working in partnership with NASA. Yeah. Compared to so compare that to what's happening with commercial crew, what the private companies are building, what NASA already has. What are the what are the main differences? I think it's just different. I think everybody's kind of using the same technology. I wouldn't say one way is more ahead than the other. I think it's just a different different ways of doing business. So these newer companies are kind of all vertically integrated, so they're all doing stuff in-house. Whereas with NASA, I mean, this was the University of North Dakota's research program. They got NASA funding to make this suit for NASA. It's just it just a, it's just a different way of I guess contracting materials and, and yeah. whatnot. I wouldn't say the tech the, the one company is more advanced in technology than the other. Maybe in little places, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, really, the question is like, is Elon Musk in his basement building a suit that's going to blow <laughs> everyone away? And it it sounds like maybe the challenges are so steep that the answers are all the same. Yeah, I would say there's no one way to make a spacesuit, but they're go- all have to do very similar things, right? They have to, you know, be a very a flexible yet strong material. They have to keep, you know, oxygen flowing (laughs) and, you know, they have to do all those things I talked about earlier where, you know, protecting from dust or, you know, the weight has to be a certain way. I think there are some kind of there images of SpaceX's suits floating around online. I cannot confirm if they are real or not, (laughs) but and they look pretty good. I'm sure SpaceX's suits will and, you know, use similar technology. I think the ones that they're making, though, so there are different types of suits. Um, they probably are making the kinds that you use when you launch to space. So those are suits that will keep you pressurized in case of a depressurization event. So they're not going to be full exploration suits like the ones I tried on. They're just You're just wearing them during launch just in case you have a bad day and you're exposed to vacuum all of a sudden. So you're not really supposed to be in them for a very long time. These are probably the ones that I tried on are probably meant for longer duration walks, you know, exploration on other planets type thing. Yeah. Man, that all sounds incredibly complicated. (laughs) Yeah. I am going to stay on earth. Um, (laughs) So what's your next episode? When's it come out? Next episode comes out on Tuesday and this one is all about simulations and training for job you know (laughs) if you recall astronauts do have 
job descriptions. So they, <laughs> spacewalk and uh, spacewalking is one of them. So we're going to be learning how to do spacewalking through VR training, and we'll do some other things with VR as well. Look at you just keeping the tease alive. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I want to give it away. Well, I've seen it, so I think it's great. <laughs> I won't tell anyone about it. But I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say this out loud. Lauren drives a rover. It's a fact. It's a real thing that happens. It is the coolest VR thing I've ever yeah. seen. It's like a fake rover with like projected screens. That's it. This is an audio show. If your imagination took you to a place, that's great. But you can actually see it on the video right. on Tuesday. Uh, I will say we're doing something different with this show, The Next Level. So Next Level, it was the show was everywhere, kind of in the same form. This show, Spacecraft, is on YouTube as a show. And then on Facebook and other places, we're kind of cutting it up to make it a little bit more focused mm-hmm. just because you kind of had these like discrete experiences in every yeah, episode. Yeah, I would say there are, there are chapters within yeah. each episode. Like there was the Mars r- suit and then there was the lunar suit. And then the next episode we have driving a Mars rover and then we have VR spacewalking. And then yeah. something else and that we won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. So you've got four episodes of this coming. Yeah. And I will say our finale is amazing. I just, I'm going to say that. You should yeah. follow through through the end. And who knows what that will be? Who knows? Lauren actually gets on a rocket and goes to space. <laughs> I, the Don't work, oversell The this. working title of the show is Lauren Goes to Space, and I love that title, but it was just a promise we were not able to keep. <laughs> <laughs> no point has Lauren actually gone to space. But soon, we'll get there, sure. I think, in our lifetime. Uh, sure. If you want to pay my ticket, that would be great. Um, How much does the Verge budget have for that? Please go to patreon.com slash Lauren at the Verge. Send Lauren to space, please. Thanks. That's how Patreon works. Anyway, thank you for being on the show today. You'll be back next week. Everybody, go to YouTube. Just go to the Verge page on YouTube, Spacecraft, right at the top. Watch the first episode. Let us know what you think. Uh, You can get a hold of Lauren. What's your Twitter? At Lauren Grush. At Lauren Grush on Twitter. L-O-R-E-N. Oh, yeah. L-O-R-E-N. Not like that other Lauren. Not that A-U nonsense. (laughs) Finally. Finally, some Lauren on Lauren Shade on the Vergecast. No, everyone's great. They're all my favorites. I love Lauren. Lauren Grush on Twitter. Send your feedback on the show. Watch the show. Look out for it on Tuesdays. And we'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks. Well, Lauren was great, as always. You should really watch Spacecraft. It is, I think, one of the most fun shows we've done. Because she loves space. And it just, like, absolutely comes through. Anyway, Paul. Yeah. Every week. Mm Mm-hmm. You do a thing. What's that thing called? It's called You Say Surveillance, I Say Seussvalence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, ki- this is kind of uh, sadly topical. Um, it's this body cam. It's like a wearable body camera called, for, called Shonen on Kickstarter. But they're really embracing the idea of, I mean, they don't use the word as far as I know, but... It's this idea by a wearable computing pioneer that's like a personal hero of mine, Steve Mann, who came up with this term Seussvalence, which is the idea that you have a camera and when you walk into a space that has like security cameras where you're being surveilled by the man, you, for the safety of all, you know, because they always put that sign, for your personal safety, we, we're recording or something like that. You know, for for your personal safety and for your protection of other people, you record things yourself by wearing a camera on you. I've seen a bunch of these. Yeah, and so a lot of them are used though for like like memory, yeah. like like just recording your life. But this the idea behind this is actually to because this one also like live streams, mm-hmm. so you can like live stream to like Facebook or YouTube, 
Uh, but yeah, it's called Shonen. It's on Kickstarter. It's um, it's a camera that you wear. Yeah, we've done, but that's like we've done a couple of those stories recently. Like I, this is like a weird trend of these products now. Wearable cameras. Yeah, but are they surveillance friendly? Hmm. And I think I feel like that was the 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 edge on this one. If like, you are like wearable, front front row is for capturing experiences. I see. But this is for like crowd based security. This is yeah yeah. It's for that protester life. This is for the protester life. Yeah, the people are like scheduling their Sundays around marches. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a market opportunity in these United States. It means that people Did are coming together. Did you see that the the iPhone has a mode where you can hit the power button like on on iOS eleven like five times and it will jump into like Do you want to call nine one one or do you want to turn off uh, you know Touch ID? Well, so Dieter you're... happily that link is in our next round, our lightning round of gadget oh, God. news. But in honor of the eclipse, I'm retitling it the eclipse round, which does not suggest <laughs> speed the way that lightning round does, but it's a thing round. that happens in the sky, so I think it works. And at different times and for different durations at different degrees, <laughs> depending on where you are geographically. Yeah. What's the sound of an eclipse? <laughs> <laughs> We got this. <laughs> yeah, we're there. Uh, I was at Adorama, the big camera store uh, here in New York. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of Adorama. Mm-hmm. If you ever purchased a camera of any kind, because then the ads will show up. Uh, and they were, all of them were overwhelmed with the number of like eclipse hunters who were coming into the stores trying to buy filters. They were totally sold out of filters. They were totally sold out of the eclipse film, like the actual film that you need to shoot the eclipse. They were sold out of like raw sheets of filter material, like huge rolls of filter material that people were cutting their own filters out of for their cameras, completely sold out of that. They looked exhausted. They were like, people are always coming in here. We're opening boxes of the the Eclipse glasses. We sell out of them in seconds. And one of them says to the other, we were just not prepared for this. (laughs) It just looked like they had gone to war. (laughs) Uh, I'm scared I'm not going to be ready for the Eclipse because we're putting out great content on our website about yeah. how to be ready for the eclipse. And I'm reading it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing any of those things. <laughs> get some glasses. I should just get some glasses. We're all going to go outside. It'll be great. Apparently, you're supposed to go buy a Volvo in order to watch the eclipse. Oh, really? According to, to Volvo's marketing department. Yeah. Because they it's have a, a giant real, sunroof. They it's want a real to, road trip yeah. moment. The, the saddest uh-huh. eclipse-related marketing thing that has happened to us is that Chiquita Bananas sent all of our oh, science God. reporters... Uh, poster where the eclipse, the sun part of the eclipse was a banana, and it's a poster that says the banana moon is coming. And yeah, those, I, uh, I'm those ads are on to, our website right now. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to even be saying it because it was obviously a stunt, but it kind of worked because I was like, oh, banana moon's funny. Eclipse fever's here, and that's why we're having an eclipse rent. Okay, you ready? Samsung's new fitness smart band leak reveals offline Spotify support. I think little Spotify gadgets are going to be a huge trend. Because the shuffle's done. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use Spotify. The Mighty was on Kickstarter. It was a big thing. Just came out. I think Spotify and the Go. That's my take. I went for a run the other day. Carried my iPhone. Horrible experience. Yeah. Kind of got some neck pain for like holding it out there. You're holding it in front of you? No, I just like I was running. <laughs> one arm was moving differently than the other arm. Yeah. You got to get one of those armbands. 
Yeah, but that looks st- stupid. Does it look worse than you <laughs> holding your phone in front of you? I think it? so. All right. Apple reportedly investing a billion dollars in original video content. This is going to be terrible. Sounds like a billion bad. dollars that they will misspend. <laughs> it's like a stimulus. It's like an economic stimulus. <laughs> oh, my God, Paul. That worked. First no, of all. No, it did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can I? Uh, never yes, mind. Dude. I'm just saying, what no, they've made I, so I, far is I, not I, I want good. to tell you what I think of it, but we have to cut it from the podcast. All right. I hope, I hope it's good. You always want more good things. But they are not. They've not proven a great track record here. I, I I can't even watch plenty of the apps, man. I open up my Apple TV. It's the first thing it suggests to me every time because it's the last thing I watched inside the TV app. So it's always there, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm not. Yeah. This this screenshot of Will I Am is just staring at me, and he's judging me, but I'm not doing it anyway. Next one, and I think that okay, you're gonna have to come with me on a flight of fancy here. You ready? Voodoo, which is a streaming service that only like. 4K nerds use mm. announces bringing an Apple TV app out soon. Here's my conspiracy theory. The only reason they, they've not been on the Apple TV yet because you can't buy things without paying Apple the tax in an app. Uh-huh. Right? So Voodoo is a rental service. There's no reason to put your app on their platform because you got to pay Apple the money. So why would you put thing there? This is the reason Amazon wasn't on there forever. There's rumors of a 4K Apple TV. Voodoo's huge advantage right now, the reason I use them, they're the only place you can really buy a huge or rent a huge collection of 4K HDR movies. So now that you've bought all that stuff, you want to buy a 4K Apple TV, you need to be able to access it. Otherwise, you're mad at Voodoo. I think this points to that 4K Apple TV actually happening in this next event. It seems so long overdue. I don't see why they want it. Yeah, it's time. I'm very I mean, it's, I'm very it's, it was there in the, it was in the HomePod leak, right? Yeah, 4K, HDR, HDR10, Dolby Vision, the whole deal. It's the thing that I want. I'm going to buy that thing instantly, and then I'm going to throw the remote out the door. Hmm. Out the door, not the window. That's how little (laughs) I disrespect it. Uh, Speaking of of smart TV stuff, I've got last year's Vizio P65, so I did get the new update with the apps built into the TV that are like web apps and... Man, it's so bad. It's super <laughs> duper bad. Yeah. Like they this TV was not built to run an interface. Yeah. Super wasn't. Especially one that was built off of like streaming HTML apps off the cloud. Um just just terrible. Is it slow or bad? It's slow. They're different like, right? also bad. Ah, yeah. That's a killer. That's the worst combination when bad things happen slowly. Yeah. yeah. Like it was just bad, but it was quick. You'd be like, oh, this is terrible, but at least it's over. Now I'm just watching a video, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I think TV devices that are like, because at the end you're just watching a stream. You're done. Mm-hmm. There's yep. like you every everything everything bad about TVs gets a pass because like at the end you just like watch a thing. Navigating bad slowly is killer. Are the but they it's like really not architected for it because it's not even doing it natively, right? It's streaming HTML5 and then yeah. calling a Chromecast stream and then casting. Yeah, there is it. some native stuff like the menus for like adjusting the TV. T- settings is now native uh, but i feel like everything else is streamed in order to do it they had to ship me a brand new remote because it didn't the original remote didn't have a d-pad a five-way um and of course the new remote has six buttons for random services because they're now taking that that sweet sweet crackle money my my tv remote has a crackle button on it here's what i know if you 
in I your dream, life. I dream that I, I hit that crackle button and it doesn't launch the crackle app. It just fucks with the sound on the TV and just makes all everybody sound like crackling. <laughs> That's what I want. Here's what I can tell you. If you are in a position in your life to ever just take the crackle money, uh-huh. just take it. What are they going to do? <laughs> They're going to be mad at you? You're like, you took the money, you ever did anything. You're like, yeah. Sorry, crackle. That's my theory. Please buy my new TV, which has a useless crackle. <laughs> all right. Uh, Paul. Yeah. Intel announced the next generation Ice Lake chips unexpectedly early. What's I'm, going on here? I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, Intel's basically, you know, Intel's kind of backed off of the, like, the TikTok thing. So you can't expect them, like, every new generation to, like, jump down in, like, process size. Um, the bigger problem I'm having, and I know I am a professional technology writer and I should have figured this out by now, but... I had a real hard time with KB Lake and Sky Lake. Yeah. There's two things that end in lake. Yeah. And I, get, I just get them confused. And one is newer than the other. And I'm 90% sure KB Lake is newer <laughs> than Sky Lake. Now we're going to have Coffee Lake, which is possibly the eighth gen. Um, there's Cannon Lake, which hasn't been announced yet. Um, there's just everything. And then, and then there's Ice Lake. Yeah, which is like ten ten nanometer. So everything's a lake, and I'm never going to keep it. Keep is it there a relationship with this, or are they just bad at names? I don't know. I don't know. I, I to be honest, I haven't d- dug far enough into this to actually understand it, and so I don't want to mislead anybody. But I will say where I'm at with it right now is I'm confused about the lakes, and that you know <laughs> Intel is coming out with its eighth gen processor. We've been on KB Lake. Yeah, we're going to have a new, theoretically considerable bump. But it's also a little confusing, and you can't assume it will have as big of a jump in power as you typically expect with a new Intel generation, because Intel seems to be scrambling a little bit now that it actually has a competitor. Called They're AMD. just not going to update the MacBook Pros fast enough. That's like, right, they skipped a whole generation, and they were late to this. All I want is, I'm my computer's so old, and I, anyway, it's just hard to buy a computer right now. That's yeah. where I'm at with it. Dieter. I don't know why Intel calls all their processors with, uses lake for everything. It implies a relationship, but I don't think there is one. Anyway, Dieter. Yes. Android O is probably not named Orangina. But what if it is? That's correct. It's Look, it's Oreo. Stop being coy, putting a little octopi in the betas, Google. We all know it's Oreo. There's nothing else that you could possibly call it. It's not Orangina. It's cute, but come on. Just let it why go. Are they, we know, we why know are it's they teasing we know. all of this? Uh, you know, it's getting to be late August, and uh, they've had the release candidate for Android O out for a little while, and they want to get the thing out the door, you know, at or before they release the new Pixels. So, like, they're they're just building up. Look, I, there's nothing else to do right now. I think it's going to be if Orangina. Google. I just do. How is Orangina a dessert? It's not. I mean, it's full of sugar. That's true. There you go. Dessert sodas. That's my new thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, we haven't talked about the cop button. I think that's it. We miss anything? Just to be clear, the cop button is not to you push this button a lot of times and then like, hey, cops, so, everything is available for your no, perusal. no, it's the, it's the opposite. It's so the right now, a big that. problem with Touch ID and forthcoming the face unlock mm. is that. Cops can just like grab your finger and put it on there and lock your phone and search your phone. They right. probably shouldn't do that. Probably right. legal. Face unlock, they just point at you. Right. 
definitely not illegal. Like now they're not even making you do anything except have a face, right? Which I believe is legal. <laughs> uh, so iOS 11, you click the the side button five times, it'll lock the phone, give you the slider to call SOS, and then require you enter your passcode. Hmm. So like you're in a you're in a sketchy situation, you're just like click 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 click. Is that five? Assume it was five. Now you're protected against your okay. face being used right. to unlock your phone, that which I think sense. is extraordinarily right. clever. To be clear, like that's neat. That's a neat idea. Okay, that was the show. Start with the Nazis, end with cops. The Verge cast, everybody. That's what it's always like. <laughs> Healthy dose of Android skepticism in the middle. Yep. What more could you want from this show about technology and culture? Basically nailed it all. Um, I want to call out two stories, uh, well, three actually, that we did on the site this week that are just really great that you should go read. Uh, one, Megan Froekmanesh, who's been on the show a bunch, wrote a story about college students who are paying for their tuition by streaming Twitch, which is awesome. Uh, just go read that. Uh, we did a story that is just, I is so adorable, like made my heart explode about High school kids who compete at Microsoft Word in Office, and there's like an Excel 2016 champion from America. That's right. So go read that. It's called the Doc X Games, which is a perfect name. Uh, and then Sarah Jong and Rachel Becker, we actually talked about this piece that they were working on on the show last week, wrote a voluminous, extraordinarily well-researched, extraordinarily well-written piece about the Google memo and the history of women in tech particularly in computer science, just read it. It's one of those things I keep saying. It is it is one of the most important ongoing stories we're going to cover forever in my mind. Uh, but read it. It's, it's just very smart. They're both extraordinarily smart. Sarah is an incredible reporter with a lot of depth in the history and the culture of the Valley. Rachel is one of our science reporters, engaged with the science very deeply. Just read it. Take it in. It's, it's, it's I mean, I... I helped them work on it. it I think it, they just did a trying to stop, and it's fascinating. But those three stories, I just want to call them out because we talk a lot about gadgets, but there's a lot of stuff that happens at The Verge. I want to start calling out some stories at the end of the show. Okay, that's it. Um, there are other podcasts to listen to. Lauren Good hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode side. That's great. You should listen to that. Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media, which is wonderful. Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode. It's very deep. Decodes things. All that's available on iTunes. Go look for it. I put an episode oh, on did. Verge Extras this week. Yeah, it's you and Dan, right? Talking about Twitch. Why yeah. would anybody watch people play video games? That's pretty cool. Um, and I will tell you, uh, Ashley Carmen, who's been on the show a bunch, and Caitlin Tiffany, who's actually been on the show before too, they are working on uh, a pilot for their new series, which I won't give away too much, mm -hmm. but is going to be awesome. That'll be out in a few weeks. So lots of stuff to listen to right now. You can listen to Paul and Extras. You can listen to the Recode podcast on the Recode side. All of it's on iTunes. We have more new podcasts coming. I'm very excited about all of them. You can find us on Twitter. Dieter is at Backlon. Paul is at Future Paul. I'm at Reckless. We love hearing from you. Tweet at us. Talk to us. And we'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Snip. Snip.